Thanks, Aaron. It's a, a joke with Aaron before the service started. It's casual Friday for Aaron, so he gets to, one of the few Sundays he gets to wear jeans. All right, well, I am, uh, I am thankful to be here with you this morning uh, to share what God has put on my heart, and uh, I hope that it blesses you this morning. Uh, what I want to talk about today is I want to talk about foundations. I think it's, uh, I, I heard that word come up over and over again when Lynn was up here talking about foundations, and so I want to I, I share a little bit about what it means to lay a foundation, uh, what that foundation is, why we need it. And, uh, and draw some applications from Scripture uh, regarding foundations. As, as I thought about foundations, as I, as I pondered this, uh, uh, it kind of led me to, to my, uh, a story from my childhood. Because uh, my, my dad, growing up, my, as, far, as far back as I can remember, my dad, uh, Steve Knoll, has been a salesman. And the, the thing that he sold was rebar. Anybody know what rebar is in here? We got a lot of hands, a lot of, a lot of construction-related uh, folks. So, so here's some rebar. I brought some with me because he had some laying around the house. This is rebar. It's, rebar essentially is a long steel rod. It, can, it comes in a variety of thicknesses. You can bend it. You can, you can make, a, make a donut out of it if you want. It's the, it, you can do a lot of things with rebar. Rebar is something that uh, you use every day. You probably don't even realize it. Because rebar is used in concrete. You put it in concrete. When you're, when you're pouring concrete, uh, you can put it inside to help strengthen the concrete. The concrete bonds to the rebar, and it allows you to do a lot more creative things with concrete. So you can have a more open structure. You can, you can, essentially, the, the rebar allows you to use less concrete when you pour it. So I'm looking at my father-in-law, John, to make sure that I'm giving the right information here because he's, uh, he's been working with concrete a long time. Con- concrete can be, you can use less of it, therefore it's lighter when you use rebar. But, but the rebar is hidden inside. You don't necessarily see it. Uh, but but when, you, when you're using concrete, you want to do something to, to strengthen it. Uh, and, and one thing that, that is frequently used in concrete is going to be a foundation, Foundations are oftentimes made out of concrete, and you want your foundation to be secure. You want it to be strong. You don't want it to shift. You don't want it to move around, because when it moves around, the, the whole point of the foundation is that you're building on it. And so the building itself isn't going to be sturdy. It isn't going to be secure if the foundation isn't sturdy, if the foundation isn't secure. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to dive into an example from Scripture that's going to tell us a little bit about what this means in our lives. Because as I thought about this building, as I thought about what it means to follow Christ as a, as a disciple, as a follower of Jesus, uh, we, we see this described in Scripture in a, in a, lot, of different, uh, a lot of different settings uh, of, of your life or my life or our life collectively as the church. Uh, we see us described as, as a building, as a church, as a temple. And so a, a, a building, you know, our church has a foundation. As we're standing here, we have a foundation. And it's important for us to make sure that that foundation is secure. And as I, as I thought about my life, I look back, you know, I, I really became serious about being a, a follower of Jesus. About, it was about 15, 20 years ago when I was at UNI. And I thought about the foundation that was laid in my life. And the storms that, that life has brought to our doorstep, I've been able to weather those uh, because God has used 
the foundation that was laid so many years ago. And without it, I really don't know what my life would look like. And so, so what I want to do this morning is I, we're going to turn in 1 Corinthians. If you've got a Bible, we're going to read some in 1 Corinthians. We're going to start in chapter 3, verse 10. And we're going to read, uh, this is a story just to give a little bit of background. Paul, Paul is addressing the Corinthian church, which we've, we've heard about uh, as we've been studying through the book of Acts. So he, and he's, what he's talking specifically to them about is becoming mature, going from uh, you know, a baby Christian to a, a mature Christian. And I think that applies to us as well. We need to go beyond the initial things, but you have to start at the beginning. You have to start with a foundation. So Paul's talking, uh, he uses this metaphor of a building, the church is a building. And so I want to read these verses to us, and then we'll, we'll, we'll dive in and unpack a few of them, and we'll draw some observations and some applications from what it means to lay a foundation in our lives. So let's start in verse 10. I'm going to read all the way through the end of the chapter, and then we'll circle back around and pick a couple of them out to dive in on. So 1 Corinthians 3, chapter, or chapter 3, verses, starting in verse 10. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should be careful how he builds, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light." It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple, and that God's Spirit lives in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him, for God's temple is sacred, and you are that temple." Do not deceive yourselves. If any one of you thinks he is wise by the standards of this age, he should become a fool so that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. As it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows that the thoughts of the wise are futile. So then no more boasting about men. All things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or this present age present or the future, all are yours, and you are of Christ, and Christ is of God. So we see in this passage that that Paul sets up the foundation, it's it's in the middle, but he sets up this idea that, that we, you individually and we collectively, are God's temple, and that his spirit lives among us. In verse 16, he says, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple, and that God's spirit lives in you? And this is sort of a collective you. There's an individual, but I think there's also a collective application to this, that he's not just talking about you as an individual. He's talking about the Corinthian church. You are God's temple. God dwells among you. And so this is really the, this is the, the building that God's talking about. He's talking about building the church together and, a, and living a life individually then that supports this structure. So that's what we're talking about this morning. And so that's really going to guide the framework of our conversation is your life as a disciple. And so I want to make a couple observations here. We're going to start out. The first observation I think we can draw from Scripture regarding laying a foundation. Number one, uh, that foundations require an expert builder. 
Foundations require an expert builder. We see this in verse 10. Uh, Paul starts off by saying, By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should be careful how he builds. Paul tells us that the foundation was laid, he laid, as he labored, he laid it as an expert builder. And so I, I started thinking about, well, how would an expert builder build? What would be different about a foundation laid by uh, an expert builder versus an amateur? And I, and I think it's, it's pretty easy to come up with some, some ideas, but I thought of a couple of those. Uh, you know, we've got some pretty handy people in this congregation, and I am, I'm not among that group. I can barely swing a hammer. Uh, but we've, got some, we've definitely got some expert builders in this room. And so, uh, you know, I thought about how would you do something as opposed to me. And I think there's a couple things. First of all, an expert builder has a plan. An expert builder knows what, what the plan is because you can't, you can't build a building unless you know what the finished product's going to look like. You won't know where to put the foundation unless you know what, what it's supposed to look like in the end. Stephen Covey puts it this way. He says, uh, begin with the end in mind. An expert builder has a plan. Secondly, an expert builder follows the plan. An expert builder doesn't just have an idea and then just kind of goes about and, and, and ballparks it. An expert builder measures carefully. Uh, if, you've ever, if you've ever laid a foundation or put walls up, you know you have to, you have to measure the walls themselves to make sure the, the sides are the right length. But what else do you have to do? Is it just enough to make sure that each side is the right length? What else do you have to measure? You have to measure the, the diagonals, Right? Because you can have lengths of walls that are the same length, but if they're at the wrong angles, then your building's going to be messed up. So you're, you're going to get about halfway into this thing, and you're going to realize this isn't going to support the building that I wanted to put together, and so you're going to have to start over. That's frustrating. I, I hope that never happens to anybody here. But you've got to have, you have, to have a plan. You have to follow the plan. And, and additionally, uh, you know, expert builders... Uh, Expert builders become expert builders over time. No one is born as an expert. And I think it's important to draw that out here because it's easy to look at this passage and say, well, sure, Paul's an expert builder, but I'm not. That's not me. But, but we have to remember that Paul didn't start out as an expert builder. You know, we've seen, looking at his journey through the book of Acts over the last few weeks, uh, Paul didn't even get to Corinth until his second missionary journey. So he had a whole first missionary journey where he, he took some lumps. It wasn't like he just went out and, and everything was, was flawless from the start. I mean, he got chased out of town after town after town. Uh, it wasn't like he would go to a church. He would just walk in and say, hey, guys, I'm the expert builder. Let's get this thing started here. And they'd, you know, he'd be there for a little while, and then he'd say, well, I think my work here is done. I'm just, we're going to all get together and hug, and we're going to sing Friends of Friends Forever, and I'll move on to the next town. It, was, it wasn't like that. He was, he was persecuted. There was enough hardship for you and I to say, you know what, I don't think this thing is really for me, this whole expert builder thing. Paul persevered through the difficult times, and that's what allowed him to become an expert builder. An expert builder becomes an expert because they're willing to learn. And for you and I as, as followers of Christ, we know that we don't become, we, 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 are, we are born into the church. We become believers in, in Christ 
And it doesn't require, there's no, there's no prerequisites there. It's not something that, uh, that we are, that we need to, to do anything to come to Christ. But, but it is a process of the, the Bible college word is sanctification. That there's a foundation, we have got to build on that. Uh, but you and I don't have to think that we have to be an expert builder before we can build into someone's life. That's something that any of us can do. And, and I think Paul, Paul is drawing that out here. He's saying that uh, I laid a foundation as an expert builder, but someone else is building on it. There are multiple people that are helping to build this foundation in the church. So expert builders aren't perfect. They're just people who persist through mistakes and learn how to do something well. So, so what does that mean for us? What is, how can we draw some application here? Well, I think that each one of us, that, that if, when we're living as a Christian, uh, we've got to have that foundation as our spiritual life. We've got to have people that are pouring into us to help us put that foundation in place. You know, I think of some of the expert builders in my life. Uh, my friend Nate from you and I, who first helped me learn how to read the scriptures, helped me learn how to memorize scripture and how to, um, you know, how to be a Christian when I was in college. I think of uh, my friend Dan in Dubuque, who was in the same industry that I am, and he helped me understand how to, how to live side by side with someone as a, as a Christian, how to, how to share my faith at work. Um, you know, I think uh, when I was in college of uh, a young insurance guy named Aaron, who someday dreamed of becoming a pastor, um, and so I would go to his church. He and his wife Beth would have us into their, have me and a couple of my high school friends into their home, and you know, taught me you know, how what it means to to walk by faith and how to how to trust in God's word daily. I, I think his dream worked out okay. Um, those were some of the expert builders in my life. And, and if you don't, if you can't think of a couple of those people, you need to go find them. You need to seek them out because we've got to have a secure foundation. We have to have other people pouring into our lives. So my question for you is, first of all, who's pouring into you? And then second of all, who are you pouring into? Because you could be that expert builder in someone's life. If God, by his grace, has helped you establish a foundation, then you need to use that foundation to pour into someone else's life. So that's my, challenge, my, my first set of challenges for us this morning. Uh, you don't have to be a perfect person. That, that's, that's, not, that's not the prerequisite. Uh, but we've got the blueprint. We know what the plan is. We know what the finished product looks like. And we just, have to, we just have to follow the plan. So, again, first point, foundations require an expert builder. Number two, foundations go below the surface. Foundations go below the surface. Uh, surface. Uh, looking in verse 11 now, we see Paul says this, For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. That is our foundation. So we've seen the, the, the need for the foundation. Now we see what that foundation actually is. Paul preached Christ, and that is the foundation for, for the building, for the church, for your life and mine as, as disciples and as followers. And so when you, when you prepare a foundation, you've got to clear the surface. You wouldn't start building a building and just start throwing two-by-fours on top of the ground. You've got to level the surface. You've got to clear it away. You've got to move the rocks, move the grass. Uh, you've got to get a level surface because if you just start putting a building together on top of uneven ground, or even if it's reasonably level, if you don't prepare the surface, uh, as time goes on, that, that surface is going to shift. It moves around. And so we've got to level the surface in order to start building a foundation. 
And, and to be sure the foundation is secure, you have to not just clear the surface, you have to get underneath it. We live in Iowa, so in the wintertime, you know what happens. We've got, we've got this thing called frost. Frost goes down a couple feet, and if you're not below the frost line, the, everything above the frost line moves around. And so if you, if you lay a foundation on top of the frost line, it's going to shift. Because as, as, the, as the water molecules in the ground expand and contract, it causes things to move around, and that can cause cracks. It can cause movement. i got front steps in my house that are just a little bit off kilter because it's above the frost line. And that happens. And, and, and so I think not only do you want to get below the surface in order to make sure that things don't move around, uh, the bigger the building you're going to build, the deeper you have to go. I think uh, there's a picture behind me here. Uh, it's, it's a little blurry. That's what happens when you just do a Google image search and throw it into a PowerPoint. This is the, this is the, the foundation for the Freedom Tower in New York City. Anybody's been there, if you've seen pictures, you know that sucker goes deep. It's multiple stories deep because it's one of the largest buildings in the world. And so in order to support a structure that big, you have to get deep below the surface. So Paul tells us that our foundation is Christ, and that is what it all rests on. And so for you and for me, in order, to, in order for that foundation of Christ to go in, something else has to go out. We can't just start with Christ on top of whatever else we're putting our hope in. Jesus has to replace the thing that we're putting our hope in. And I, and I want to be clear here, Paul's not talking about we don't clear the surface before we come to Jesus. There's no prerequisites. There's no requirement that, well, i got to get this thing figured out before I come to Jesus. That's not what he's saying here. We come to Christ with, just as we are. But then once we come to him, he goes about the process of helping us to lay this foundation, helping us to clear the surface, digging below it to clear out till we can get down to the bedrock. And that's where the foundation comes into play. I mean, this is, this is the gospel. This is the starting point. And so this morning, if you've not laid a foundation of Christ in your life, uh, then none of the rest of the stuff I'm going to say really matters. You've got to have that foundation secure or else you're missing the single most important reason that you are here on earth. Uh, having a foundation is easier than you think. Now, uh, Paul, in another book of the Bible, in, in Romans 10, he says it this way. He says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's the foundation. Having Jesus as your foundation means giving your life to him, and it means turning away from all the other stuff that you put your hope in, put your trust in. Turning away from those things because ultimately, it involves an acknowledgement that I'm not the most important thing. That in my life, I fall short. I am by nature incomplete. I am sinful. And, and if you didn't know this morning, so are you. We, we all are. We all, that, is, that is our starting point. We've got to clear the surface. We've got to let Jesus get below the surface. That is our foundation. So, so don't, don't leave here today if you aren't sure that Jesus is your foundation. You can talk to me. I don't have all the answers. You can talk to, talk to anybody here. We'd love to help you understand what it means for Christ to be your foundation. Foundations go below the surface. Foundations require an expert builder. Third thing that I want to, third observation I want to make this morning is that foundations are meant to be built upon. 
Foundations are meant to be built upon. Let's, let's read, uh, let's pick it up in verse 12. Uh, if any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. Foundations are meant to be built upon. The purpose of the foundation is to support a larger structure. That's why it exists. You don't build a foundation and then look back and say, well, that foundation is fantastic. Let's move on to the next one. I think we're all set. Uh, one, of, one of my favorite TV shows, which it's not on TV any longer, but if you haven't seen it, you, you can get it on Netflix or Hulu Plus or something. It's Scrubs. There, there's a, there's an, any, any, any Scrubs fans out there? Like, like maybe zero. All right, fantastic. Just my wife. All right. So there's a, there's a series of, there's a couple episodes in Scrubs where the main character, J.D., uh, out of a misguided sense that he needs to buckle down and, and really get mature, uh, he goes out and he, and he buys a half acre plot of land. And, but he, he, as he does that, he, he realizes that he doesn't have enough money to build a whole house. So he just builds a front porch. That's it. It's fantastic. Go to, here it is. He just builds a front porch. And so there's a couple episodes where they're barbecuing on the porch, they're drinking lemonade, they're, late at night they'll sit and look at the stars, they're having deep conversation. But that's it, it's ridiculous because nobody would just build a front porch, the front porch is there to supplement the actual house. It's, it, it doesn't make any sense to just have a front porch. And so in the same way, we don't build a foundation and then just stop there. We've got to, we've, the foundation is there to support the building. And the building, as we've seen, is your life and mine as followers of Christ. It is the church, the, the God's temple that he's going to dwell in. And, and Paul makes it clear that it matters not just that you build. It matters how you build. It matters what you build with. And so he, use, he makes reference to gold, silver, costly stones, and also wood, hay, and straw. So he, he delineates between the different types of materials. And, and the thing that we should see there is that some of those things uh, are going to last and some of them will not. You know, wood, hay, and straw are perishable. Gold, silver, costly stones are not. Those are going to last. So what are, as we build on a foundation of Christ, that's the foundation, what are we building with? What are we using as, you know, what's, what's, what's the rebar in this, in this structure that we're putting together? What are, the, what are those invisible things that are helping support the bigger structure? So in order to, to draw this out, I just want to share a quick illustration with you that I think helps, helps us understand. It helped me, it was foundational for me to help me understand what does a life of a believer in Christ look like. And it's uh, the illustration is from the Navigators. I, I, I was a part of the Navigator College Ministry when I was at UNI, and they've got an illustration called The Wheel. So if you've not seen this before, uh, hopefully this can help you understand what the, the life of a mature Christian looks like. Uh, so it's, it's behind me here. You can kind of see it. So, so the wheel, it's pretty simple. All right, Christ is the center. That is the foundation. Everything is anchored to Christ. That is the foundation. And next we've got the spokes. All right, there's four of them. They're in no particular order of importance, but they are in a particular order on the diagram. And so, and again, this is the rebar. This is what goes into the structure that supports it. As we build our lives in, as believers in Christ, these are the things that, that are there that help, help to maintain stability. So we've got, there's four of them. 
Two of them have to do with the way that we interact with God. Two of them have to do with the way that we interact with the people around us. So you've got, so you've got a dialogue with God. You've got prayer going up. You've got the Word, God's Word coming down. Simple. The way that we interact with, with others, we've got one going out, evangelism, outreach, one coming back in, fellowship with the church. Though those four items support the outer rim, which is an obedient life of a Christian. That is, uh, they've got to be there in equal measure. If, if any of those is shorter than another, you're going to have a flat tire. It's not going to roll. So you've got to have, have them all there in equal measure. And so, so that's, it's a simple construct, simple illustration to help draw the point out. Um, so my challenge to us this morning is to look at ourselves in the mirror and ask, does this represent our lives as believers in Christ? Does this represent my life as a disciple? You know, am I building with costly stones or am I building with things that are temporary? My encouragement is, uh, if you're like me, I mean, my, honestly, it's easy for, for you to sit out in the congregation and hear me talk about these things and think, well, well you know, Scott's in pretty good shape. I, th- these are things that I struggle with. I mean, it's, it's hard to find time to do all the things that I know we need to do. And so, so this, isn't, now this isn't me preaching to you. This is the support group, all right? This is Alcoholics Anonymous. This is me saying, listen, guys, I, I, my name's Scott, and I'm, uh, I, I need to do this right along with you. Uh, but we've got to find opportunities to dig in. You know, so, so, so pick one of these things. Pick one of them and, 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 and just focus on building into that for the next little while. I mean, we've, as a church, we've got a lot of stuff going on. I mean, we, Tim came up here just a, a minute ago and lined up all of the new ministry opportunities that we've got. You know, there, there's so many needs that God has put in our midst, and we've got to be faithful to those. You and I, we collectively, men and women, we've got to dig in. We've got to take these opportunities and run with them. And we've got children's ministry, children's church, Sunday school, nursery. We've got adult ministries, adult Sunday school. We've got a neighborhood around us that needs to hear about Jesus. What are we doing to make this work. God wants us to put this building in place, but we need everybody to make it happen. So find an area to, to, to get involved. I, I know that time is of the essence. Uh, your lives are busy just like mine is, but if we've, you've got a foundation, we need to build on it. If there's a foundation, foundations are meant to be built on. So foundations are meant to be built on. Foundations require an expert builder. Foundations go below the surface. And finally, one more point, and then we'll get you out of here for Memorial Day weekend. Foundations prevent disaster. All right, let's look in, uh, in verse, we're going to skip down to verse 18. Uh, foundations prevent disaster. Verse 18 says this. He says, Do not deceive yourselves. If any one of you thinks he is wise by the standards of this age, he should become a fool so that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. As it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows that the thoughts of the wise are futile. So I read that passage, and, and on the surface, uh, it, it seems a little strange. Here Paul is telling us why foundations are so important. Why is it critical that when we build a foundation, we, we labor carefully as an expert builder? Oh, the, the reason is deception. Deception, in verse 18, we see it. Deception is out there because it can throw us 
off course. You know, for, for a believer, deception is one of the most damaging threats that we face, especially in the context of what Paul's talking about here. He urges us not to deceive ourselves, not to be deceived. And the deception comes in the form of a pursuit of wisdom. And specifically, he calls it the, the, the standards of this age. Don't be wise according to the standards of this age. And if you think about it, you know, wisdom, I thought that was good, right? Wisdom, there's a whole book of the Bible that talks about the importance of pursuing wisdom. And I, I know it's in the Old Testament, but I thought it was still relevant. Wisdom, I thought, was, was something that we were supposed to pursue. But what Paul's doing here is he's making a distinction between God's wisdom and ours. He's making a distinction between his wisdom, which is informed by perfect knowledge and perfect understanding, and ours, which is informed by a very limited perspective. And and as I thought more about this, it started to make sense. As you think about the the standard of the age, what, what, what becomes clear when you think about the standard of the age is that it shifts. It's not a firm foundation. The standard of the age changes. Think back to, in in any discipline you want to name, you know, go back 2,000 years, go back 20 years, go back 50 years. Are we doing things the same way that we, today, that we were doing them 20, 30 years ago? You know, pick pick a discipline. Uh, Talk about politics. That, That change at all? What about, what about family and parenting? Are you parenting your kids, if you have kids, the way that, uh, that your parents parented you? I mean, pr- probably some things have changed. What about uh, you know, business? What, what about food? I mean, I, are, are eggs healthy or not healthy? I, I, can't, I can never remember that one. <laughs> what about coffee? Is coffee good for you or is it bad for you? I mean, this stuff changes all the time. Fifty years ago, we didn't even know what a gluten was. Things change. So, and, and as I thought about this, you know, music, entertainment, whatever it is, it changes. And, and I think there, there's a quote uh, from, from noted philosopher and theologian Abe Simpson, father of Homer Simpson, said it best this way, and I, I love this quote. He said, I used to be with it, but then they changed what it was. And now what I'm with isn't it. And what's it seems weird and scary to me. And it'll happen to you. And it, isn't that true, though? Just when you get comfortable with being on the cutting edge, that cutting edge takes another step forward. And if you don't constantly adapt to whatever the latest, whatever the latest is, you're out of touch. Does that sound like a firm foundation to you? To always have to reinvent what you believe to be true every six months? That is the opposite of a firm foundation. Laying a foundation in something that is bigger than the latest wisdom, the standard of the age, will prevent you from getting thrown off course. It will secure the foundation. It will secure that building is your life as a disciple of Christ. Because life's going to throw stuff at you. There's no question about it. So we need to have a foundation that is firm and secure in Christ. Foundations require an expert builder. Foundations go below the surface. Foundations are meant to be built on, and foundations prevent disaster. 
So we, as God's people, are called to be his temple. Our foundations must be secure. Let's stand on the foundation that has already been laid, which is Jesus Christ. You pray with me. Father, we are, we are your church. We are your temple. You dwell in our midst. This is an amazing truth. And as we ponder this, this unbelievable truth, Lord, I, I simply ask that, uh, that you would secure a foundation for us. You have already done that, in fact, because the foundation has already been laid, and it is Jesus. God, I pray that we would stand on this foundation, that we would build on it. We would build it amongst one another, that we would pour into one another as a church, that we would reach out to the world around us to help them establish a foundation, and that through this, your name would expand and grow and be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.